Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom to all our viewers. This is TV7 with another Middle East Review broadcasting from Jerusalem. With me as usual is my colleague, Eran Lerman, Colonel Reserve, Dr. Eran Lerman, myself, Danny Ayalon. And um, we have another very, very intensive uh, last uh, month, few weeks. And uh, I, I would like to start, uh, Iran, just because of um, this uh, recent attack in Beersheba. It was another random one by uh, what they say a wolf uh, terrorist. Who lone killed, wolf. Yes. Lone wolf, yes, who killed with one very, very primitive uh, weapon, uh, cold knife, uh, four Israelis murdered them and uh, wounded eight more. Um, this must be a result of incitement, a result of a great uh, hatred uh, towards uh, Jews. He was, as we know, as Israeli intelligence uh, telling us, he was an um, avid fan of ISIS. So probably he had this in the back of his mind. But uh, I think we are now entering this uh, period of Ramadan, the month of Ramadan, the holy month of uh, of the Muslims, which also has been known to have uh, explosions and a lot of tensions, especially in Jerusalem. Towards that end of coming down things, the Abdallah, the king of Jordan, is due to come to uh, Ramallah and try to talk to the Palestinians. I think that it is also around their interest. I think it's the interest of the Palestinian Authority to calm things down, because if things get out of hand, they will suffer. It was a shocking event, uh, singular in that this is an Israeli citizen uh, who was known for his uh, ideological uh, commitment, served time in jail for trying to get to Syria to fight in the uh, in the ranks of, uh, some people prefer to call it I- ISIL, Islamic State in the uh, Iraq and the Levant. Muslim, of course, a Muslim citizen of Israel. A Muslim a Bed- uh, from the Bedouin community uh, uh, in, in the south from a, a clan known for its uh, religious fervor. Uh, at the end of the day, I have to say on, on the, well, uh, every this is essentially a tragedy without mitigations, but I would mention that many of his own clan, let alone uh, the broader uh, Bedouin society in, 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 the neg- in the South, have expressed shock and dismay and, and, and disowned this man and his actions, two women brutally murdered uh, and older and two uh, older men. Um, not much to glorify uh, the Palestinian cause. Although we did see, as usual, uh, in the Gaza Strip, Hamas activists passing out sweets to celebrate this act of heroism, this is uh, uh, this reflects very poorly on the on the moral and, and human standards of, of uh, Palestinian leadership in places like that. 
But this is uh, part of a larger uh, question. Uh, violence and, and, uh, and the use of force have become uh, prevalent in, in not only in our region, and uh, we are entering a darker period of history than, than we may have hoped for. Ron, what you mentioned, the, you know, uh, gloating or uh, giving out candies, uh, celebrating death. And I think this is what radical, you know, Islam, whether it's ISIS or Hezbollah or uh, Islamic Jihad or, or Hamas, is they celebrate death over life. And I think this is a distinguished difference between them and the Judeo-Christian uh, heritage of celebrating life. Mm-hmm. There are also Islamic traditions which celebrate life. This is a modern totalitarian aberration. It is a hybrid animal born of uh, the crisis of the civilization of Islam via the influence of modern totalitarian models, fascism, Bolshevism, uh, organizing society by, uh, by party lines, by terrorism, imposing its will by violence, um, politicizing culture, politicizing identity. Um, this is a, a European disease that spread to the region and took on an Islamic garb. One great Egyptian liberal once called it Shemulia Latita Tamasach Biddin, totalitarianism masquerade, masquerading as religion. And this is what we, we, uh, we have to deal with. And this is another example, you know, this uh, Palestinian uh, or Muslim, I would say, ISIS terror attack in, uh, in Beersheba, southern uh, capital of uh, Israel, how the urgent sometimes pushes aside what is important. Of course, what is important in the world today is the war in the Ukraine and the negotiations in Vienna with Iran to, uh, to basically neutralize their nuclear, uh, military n- nuclear uh, program. To that end, uh, there was a very, very uh, special summit in uh, just also recently. In the 22nd of March. Uh, yeah, the... In, the 21st, there were a couple of bilateral meetings exactly. followed on the 22nd, 22nd by a trilateral right. meeting, un- unprecedented. Unprecedented, where the, uh, um, of course, the host was uh, President Sisi, Prime Minister of Israel, and the one who is in, actually, in de facto, rules the uh, Emirates, uh, MBZ. The Crown Prince. MBZ, the Crown Emirates, Prince. Yeah. And um, from... Danny, you're old enough to remember the days when every uh, hint of Arab normalization with Israel yes. would immediately meet with a fiery attack by Amr Musa, foreign oh. minister of Egypt. Yes. How dare you? And they asked him, uh, how do you run to the Israelis? He used it in Arabic term, harwala, like that. Right, like, uh, right. A frightened run towards right. the Israelis. And they say, wait a minute, Egypt signed with Israel back in 79. What, what harwala are you talking about? No, 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 no. We are, we are on a yeah. different category, but you, you stay, uh, you stay away. And now yeah. Sisi is hosting a trilateral meeting with an Arab leader, another Arab leader on, on his soil, meets with uh, Prime Minister Bennett with the flags Old on flag, both yeah. sides. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say this is quite significant. And it is very significant. And well, I, I still remember Amram Musa. I even had the dubious uh, pleasure of meeting him in person. He, he was very, very, not just a bitter person, but uh, vitriolic when it came to Israel and, and, and the Jews. I think people like him, 
the intelligentsia in, in Egypt uh, were and still are responsible for the very cold peace, uh, which actually limits it to, to strategic and, uh, co- and uh, co- you know, security coordination between governments. But things Although, are changing. This is, exactly. This is changing. And one of the topics that um, Bennett, Prime Minister of Israel Bennett, and Sisi in their bilateral talks before the summit, Um, talked about uh, increasing the uh, economic uh, cooperation, tourism, and many, many other things. But um, on top of that, economic issues, what was... Um, I, I would like to zero on the, on the, uh, on the summit, you know, the, the three-way summit. Mm-hmm. It was against. And what was on the table, of course, was the war in Ukraine and really? Iran. The uh, interdependency of these two issues, how do they affect uh, one another? And of course, how it affects the region uh, at large. And also what was on the table is the very, very, I would say, unstable relations today between Egypt, between the Emirates and Washington. And I would add for the Egyptians, there's also the Ethiopian dam and the question of water supply. All, throw all of this together, you have the potential of instability. But, and, and certainly when, when relations with Washington are, uh, are not at their best. But this is precisely where Israel and the Emirates and our partners in the Eastern Mediterranean, the Greeks, the, uh, the Cypriots and, and others in the region have a vested interest in Egyptian stability. The alternative is unthinkable. We may have reservations about the manner in which Sisi is running his country, uh, his priorities, his, his uh, methods, but at the end of the day... Uh, uh, I have to interrupt for one second. That reminds me a conversation I had with Hillary uh, Clinton in uh, 20, uh, 2011, you know, just when the Arab Spring broke out. Right. And, of course, she was Secretary of the State, and they supported Morsi. More or less, yes. More or less, uh, quote-unquote, free elections. And they were devastated when they heard about what they called the military coup when Sisi took over. And all I said is, listen, in Egypt, there is only, you know, the, the two choices. Either the stability, de- stability or terror. It is either the deep state or a dead state. Right. <laughs> Certainly, you and cannot think of uh, Jeffersonian democracy. This is out of the question. Well, I, I think that, yeah, there were liberal episodes in Egyptian history, but they can only be sustained when the country is stable and prosperous, and that would take some time. Uh, certainly, Sisi has done some very remarkable things. I think uh, that it takes us away from the events of the day, but uh, very interestingly, he has repositioned Egypt more uh, in a more pharaonic way. more uh, national, historical identity and the Eastern Mediterranean identity. That makes his relationship with Israel very different than they were when Egypt saw itself very purely in Arab, instrumental. Arab terms. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when, when Israel goes to, to have now a, a serious conversation with Turkey, and it's emerging after the visit of uh, President Herzog uh, in Ankara, uh, it does not come alone. This is not Israel choosing Turkey over her friends in the Eastern Mediterranean. It's Israel and her Eastern Mediterranean partners in the alignment, like Greece, like Egypt, having a conversation with the Turks from a position of, uh, of you know, a serious engagement as, as a group, as an alignment. So the game has changed uh, remarkably in the last few years. So basically, you would say, Iran, that from... 
a almost complete isolation in the region, Israel has been catapulted to be a major player uh, with vast um, you know, network of relationship and, I would say, alliances, maybe not in the... Alignments. Let's, Alignments. Let's, oh, alliance right. has some obligations yes, attached to it. It's, certainly. Well, there are some obligations. As we all know, because the, ask the Ukrainians, uh, right, the exactly. difference between uh, friendship and alliance right. can be the difference between an uh, aircraft on your... Airspace right, or not. Right. So today, uh, you know, Israel is is less isolated in the region than Turkey is, for instance. Which ironic. Maybe, Indeed. Are very ironic, which maybe uh, explains why it was Erdogan and Turkey who started this warming relationship. They are the ones initiation, initiating this. I understand there was a very um, important and uh, successful visit of President Herzog in Israeli present in Ankara with, again, all the pomp and circumstance, a very, very uh, yep. warm welcome. Of course, we'll see the results because uh, Ankara still uh, hosts um, headquarters of uh, Hamas and they still are um, making a lot of incitements, um, Turkish and NGOs incitements in Jerusalem, especially in, uh, in the Temple Mount. We'll see if this will stop um, in return of Israeli technology, energy, and uh, political cooperation with Turkey. I doubt if there's going to be a pipeline to Turkey, because that cannot be done without some way of resolving the Cypriot question, which is probably more complicated than the Palestinian question in many ways. So, uh, But there can be other ways of cooperation. There certainly can be a place, there should be a place for Turkey, uh, as an honor and a member of importance in an Eastern Mediterranean community of prosperous nations. But then it needs to be a like, more like-minded, which it has not been. Paradoxically, uh, the, the Ukrainian war uh, is having uh, that effect. Because Israel and Turkey are now shoulder to shoulder trying to mediate. That's in itself uh, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. In all of our history, I think, uh, Danny, you, you're a diplomat, I'm a historian, but uh, I don't think in our diplomatic history there was ever uh, Israeli mediation at the level of leadership uh, between two yeah. key uh, players in the international arena. I know that uh, our great late uh, Gidon Raphael, when he was the UN, tried quietly to help resolve the uh, Korean War. And there were other stories of Israelis doing good things uh, behind the scenes, but for the prime minister to be received in Moscow in the midst of a war for a long conversation and then uh, to go on carrying messages and, of, and, and making suggestions in that, in that capacity, that's never happened in our history. No. No, it, it's unprecedented, and then, and of course this drives a, uh, a horse and a cart through the Palestinian strategy, of imagining Israel as an isolated pariah. Yeah. When uh, when the Prime Minister of Israel goes to Moscow to and and, and Zelensky praises him for his efforts, uh, we are not a pariah. Mm -hmm. And um, to think also that Prime Minister of Israel has been asked to mediate between Egypt and Ethiopia about the dam on the Nile, that also shows. And, you know, when uh, uh, Israel's involvement is not a consequence of people liking or uh, some kind of empty gestures, it's because of interest and it's because of projection of uh, uh, strength. Uh, 
that Israel has today, and you touch the Palestinians. And again, I have to invoke the uh, um, immortal um, saying of Abba Ibn, the legendary minister of foreign affairs, that they never, Palestinians never missed an opportunity to miss an opportunity. And you see, as time goes by, their issue is going down and down on the priority list of the international agenda as well as it is today. I'll give you two more examples. Uh, an Israeli mission went to Indonesia, parliamentary mission went to Indonesia, uh, to the IPU uh, conference, mm-hmm. International Parliamentary Union, and was very well received in the open. That's mm-hmm. quite mm-hmm. unusual. And therefore, uh, Indonesia's neighbor, our little plucky friends, in Singapore, who for many, many years had a very warm relationship with Israel, a huge Israeli embassy in Singapore, but for various reasons did not see fit to have an embassy in Israel. Now they've declared they will open one. There was a meeting between uh, the foreign ministers and and, and there's going to be, uh, these are all, these seem like small symbolic measures, but they speak to a different international climate from an Israeli and I, I really feel bad for the Palestinian people. I think we have been betrayed by, by successive leaders. leaders from, you know, back from, uh, you know, I can go back to the 30s, even before the 30s. But, you know, uh, they were always, the Palestinian leaders were always on the wrong side of history, whether it was the Nazis back in the 30s the and Soviets, 40s. Saddam Hussein. Soviet Saddam Hussein. And now, by the way, now also they are with Iran. Some of them, anyway. Yeah, most <laughs> against, <laughs> or with or or with Putin. So it's it's. Um, but again, this Third is. Said comment on the on the judge. Yes, the late Cyber Arkad sold uh, Abu Mazen a bill of uh, goods uh, on the strategy of isolating Israel. More or less the opposite. Absolutely, yeah, opposite. has happened. So if we can go back, um, I mean, all this discussion uh, leading us again to the summit. Uh, on the 22nd of uh, March in Sharm el-Sheikh, uh, Sinai, between the three uh, heads of uh, governments or state uh, in uh, you know Egypt, Israel, and the Emirates, what were the main subjects? Do you think that yeah. interest the, the three countries? Well, there's one that towers over all others, certainly for Israel and the Emirates and the Egyptians. Well, that's not their top priority, but they appreciate uh, the position, particularly of the Emirates who've been their sponsors and, and, and friends. And that's the Iranian question. And the uh, growing sense, unfortunately, in all three capitals that uh, the American position is uh, not enti- cannot entirely be relied upon. Uh, the, the, the eagerness of the American negotiating team uh, to, to finalize the deal, even at the cost of floating the idea of uh, delisting the IRGC uh, from the terrorists. The Iranian Revolutionary the, Guard. The Revolutionary Guard. The main sponsor of terrorism throughout the world, backing Hezbollah, Hamas, Islamic Jihad. And then you would remember that uh, third, it was just a bit more than 30 years ago 
that the IRGC agents blew up the Israeli embassy in in uh, the American the, uh, in Argentina in Argentina yes and and Buenos Aires has done it come on lost his wife there and yeah. others and was, was an a, Israeli senior and, and then two years yeah. later the massacre of the Amia building the the, the worst anti-semitic I mean this is not Israel this is, a, this is the Jewish community building mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the worst uh, anti-semitic atrocity since the 1940s and, and I thought that was a yes. very very severe and I thought that you case were, of IRGC involvement yeah that I thought that you mentioned absolutely so so true also there is a the case of Hezbollah you know with the guidance and sponsorship of the IRGC the uh, the, the Iranians who uh, blew up the The American compound in Beirut 1983 with the killing of 241 Marines actually it was the IRJC and and, and and Iran which is responsible for more American death than anything anybody else since probably World War II or Korea or Vietnam uh, so for the the Americans to even contemplate and consider delisting the IRJC is something which is unthinkable. That's the language the Prime Minister Bennett and Foreign Minister Lapid used, unthinkable. But the question is whether this would be enough to rally in uh, political uh, resistance within the American system. The, the, the situation in Vienna is uh, very fluid as we speak, but um, the Iranians may... draw the wrong conclusions from these signs of American hesitation and, and weakness from the fact that the Houthi um, organization which rules a large part of Yemen has not been uh, relisted despite the fact that they've been firing uh, long-range uh, rock, uh, missiles uh, and drones at civilian targets in Saudi Arabia they attacked the United Arab Emirates and They threatened to expand this warfare further and further. There was an Iranian attack, IRGC attack, against a target in northern Iraq, very close to the American consulate in Erbil. They claim it was an Israeli target, but this is an attack against uh, the sovereign territory of another country. Um, and, and so the, war, the, the undeclared war between Israel and Iran is intensifying in many ways. And the outcome in Vienna is not going to st- whatever outcome uh, is not going to stop Israel from doing what Israel deems to be necessary to stop the Iranian program. But also there is some some uh, I would say contradiction within terms because uh, contrary to the request of Israel and the Sunni countries in the region, the modern Sunni countries, the new alignment yeah, I would say that are threatened by Iran, that uh, the negotiations in Vienna back in, in 2015, you know, JCPOA would include not just the nuclear file, but also terrorism and ballistic missiles. And all agreed, and Americans were very, very specific to say, these are outside the scope of the negotiations. We are zeroing in on the terrorism. nuclear only and now they are bringing you know contrary to the logic and contrary to the main principle that only the nuclear they bring terrorism but in the wrong way um, that could could show uh, cowardness because if reports are true that the uh, per quo that the American uh, will get from the uh, Iranians that they will not target Ameri- Americans 
I, I think this is... Um, it sends really a very problematic... Sense. Very problematic. And, uh, At the same time, there are, uh, this, this is not a delusional administration as, uh, in terms of seeing Iran as an adversary. It may be acting in a cowardly manner, but they are not under illusions. I think they are basically trying to buy time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The question is, whatever happens, what are we going to do with that time? And to what an extent we can work with the American intelligence community and the American uh, armed forces, together with our friends in the Gulf, now that Israel is part of the central command area of responsibility and there are almost daily exchanges and intense uh, schedule of visits and uh, and regular uh, training exercises involving Israelis and Arabs uh, shoulder to shoulder, uh, planning and training for all sorts of future scenarios. What are we going to do with these two years, with these maybe two or three years that can be gained maybe uh, by this agreement in order to make sure that as the United States has committed itself, Iran will not have the bomb. And that question will uh, remain open, and the Israeli government is playing a a complex game. The Ministry of Defense is cooperating with the Americans. The Foreign Ministry and the Prime Minister's Office are are, 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 are making their criticism uh, very well heard. It reminds me of the days of David Ben-Gurion and the British during World War II. We shall fight against the white paper as if there is no Hitler and we'll fight Hitler as if there's no white paper. Uh, there needs to be a way to do both things. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure that from the, um, the uh, I would say, the vintage point of the defense um, establishment here in Israel, it's very important that they will be compensated. You know, Israel will be compensated for whatever agreement will be signed. Uh, I can think of... Uh, you know, these uh, bunker busters that uh, we may need and many, many other, uh, we will not, uh, of course, uh, not all answers here. Are, not all answers are kinetic. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Uh, but one thing on the ground, it seems like that uh, Israel and um, our allies in the region uh, brace themselves is uh, from Iranian more being more, more uh, brazen. And this is a cooperation intelligence cooperation, but also cooperation on the ground. They even talk about uh, putting uh, Israeli um, uh, defense systems in the Gulf, in countries like um, Emirates, uh, probably others, to intercept any possible... What a world we live in. And and we've just learned that apparently an American uh, fighter uh, shot down two Iranian drones on their way to Israel, so uh, over Iraqi airspace. So we live in a world where things happening that uh, our fathers and forefathers did not imagine. That's amazing. And uh, and we still uh, remember that what looms over is the war in the Ukraine, which may have a lot of uh, uh, insights and ramifications for the region, for maybe war practice in general. Uh, the lessons in, are in interesting the and, 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 and uh, are yet being learned. Absolutely, absolutely. And meanwhile, Israel is taking in refugees and uh, a wave of migration, Jewish immigration. Yes, I think from yes. both countries. I think Israel. The future was very, looks more bleak. Yeah, Israel was countries. very, very specific in saying we cannot do any military aid. We are concerned with the, with the Russia, but we will do everything in terms of humanitarian, and not only that uh, with the refugees, but also building a field hospital. 
And with that, uh, Iran, we conclude the program for today. Thank you very much. And yep. thank you for the viewers. We'll see you next month. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.